course, I love it. You ask preacher, what part do you sing when you sing up there in that group? I sing whatever the person next to me is singing. That's exactly. How many of you sing like that? You sing whatever the part. Yeah, that's what I do. And if I change keys, I have to reach in my pocket. I don't know a thing. I don't, don't know a thing about it. But I thank the Lord for the Minutemen who got up here. Some of them we didn't even know uh, were going to get up here, but we were delighted that they did and could sing with us tonight. Proverbs chapter 18 in your Bible tonight. Proverbs chapter 18. Last week we preached on comfort one another with these words. And so that prompted a message tonight on something that will have the capacity for life and for death. Something that will have the capacity for life and for death. Look at Proverbs chapter 18 with me and verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord. It addresses every area of our life. Put your finger on the juggler, Lord, in my own life tonight, preparing this message this week on our words, our tongue, our speech, our lips, our mouth. I pray, God, that you would help tonight, that, Lord, you would fill us with the Spirit of God, help us to manifest the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, and that, God, you would make us those new creatures that we're supposed to be as new creatures in Jesus, that our life would be different than that of the world's. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been looking at the one another's of Scripture on Sunday night and uh, verses like uh, edifying one another, comforting one another. And then I, I realized that it, most of it involved our words. Those words have the capacity for life and for death. Power of our tongue, of our words. It's not just what we say, it's how we say it. I could say to Linda, and I say it quite often, I love you. I, I mean, God has given us a love for each other. Her husband passed away 12 years ago, 39 years of marriage. Uh, my wife, Barbara, passed away uh, 13 years ago, uh, 36 and a half years of marriage together. And God brought us together in a church in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And uh, uh, God has given us a great love for each other, a love for the Lord, a desire to continue to grow in our relationship with him and with each other. And I say, I love you. Now, I could say it, I love you. I mean, you know, the way you say it. <laughs> you can say those same words over and over again, but it's not just what we say, it's how we say it. The tongue has destroyed churches, destroyed families, businesses, school friendships, friendships in general. It's not now just the spoken word, but what's typed on the computer or on a phone. A message on a Facebook message or an email or a text. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death, sarcasm, hurtful words, 
You say, well, preacher, give us some examples. I'm standing here before you. And your exhibit B and C and D and E. For many of us have said, I wish I had a string and could pull those words back again. But we cannot. When we were kids, we said that little saying over and over to each other. We were saying stuff to each other like, don't you hit me, I've got braces. You know, that kind of thing. And we would say all kinds of crazy stuff to each other. Bullying is not a new thing. It happened years and years and years ago. Seems to be increased now, though, on the social media. But we would say stuff like this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Have you ever heard that before? It's the biggest lie you've ever heard in your life. I've got a Greek word for that. Baloney. Baloney. I have been hurt and you have been hurt and I've probably hurt other people by words worse than if we'd have taken a bat and beat them with it. And it lasts often a long, long time. It has the capacity for life, encouragement, edifying, building up one another, comforting one another. Today, among even professing Christians, the Bible tells us that we're to let no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth, Ephesians chapter 4. But I've got three words that I often talk about, and my wife and I talk about, and, and people that we run into, and the word in ourselves, we make sure that we want to pray that we guard this. Three words that characterize the speech of today's people, sometimes professing Christians. And it seems to be escalating more and more in this generation. First of all, they're rude. They almost take, take pride in, in being rude to people. And the more that you are, the bigger person you think you are if you're rude. Secondly, they're crude. They're crude. We'll explain these in just a minute. And then lastly, they're lewd. Rude, crude, and lewd. I love the phrase, there's sweetness in God's mercy. And I know about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, and love and joy and peace and patience and long-suffering and gentleness, goodness. But I think about how people can just say, I hurt you with my speech. And they know that they can. And some of it are doing intentionally. They're crude. They talk about body parts or body functions or bathroom talk and use the crudest language. And see, sometimes, even sometimes it's people that you know it's, that uh, have professed Christ for several years, but they almost do it in such a way and they look at you to see, did I shock you with what I said? Yes, they did. Instead of toning it down and making it uh, something that would please Christ. And then lewdness. I don't have to say much about that. A lot of things with sexual overtones to it. Several years ago, a boy came to me in my office, asked, Pastor, could I see you? And I said, sure. And this story has been repeated in about almost all four churches that I've pastored. 
A boy said, uh, this teenage boy, can I see you? And I said, sure. I said, uh, uh, do you mind if somebody else meets with us? And they said, that would be all right. He said, my daddy, you know him as one person here at church, but he's entirely different when he's at home. Daddy's speech can escalate quickly. He says things he doesn't uh, mean to say to us. He's very loud and I don't know whether I want to continue to come to church again. And some of those boys dropped out of church when they got about 18 or 19 years old. And they used this word, hypocrite. Did you know that all of us, if we're honest, there's a little hypocrisy in all of us. But the word hypocrite in the scriptures refers to the wearing of a mask like a person in a play who's, who's trying to be something different on that stage than they really are. And sometimes we try to be something different in the church house than we are in the four walls of our own house. A pastor friend of mine several years ago said, Brother, I, I realized what God was dealing with me about in my own uh, anger and the words I was saying. And he said, when I came home, he said, it's like I could be one person out in the public, but I was going to be something different inside the walls of my home. And he said, I put my hand on the doorknob to turn the doorknob to get into my house. And each time I touched it, I said, Lord, help me to be in there what I have shown out there. Each time I touch that doorknob, Lord, help me to be in there. Sometimes we think that you know, those, those are the people that will tolerate us and so we can, we can be something different inside the house than we are in the church house. People often say, I mean, you're working at church, we're building on a church building or something, and we've done all kinds of, of things. I, one time we uh, put a roof on a church building that uh, I was a deacon in the church, a civil engineer, uh, in a county, and I was a deacon in a, in a little church that had gotten started, started in a house. We were meeting in the house, and then we moved into building a house. And one week we took off and we put a roof on a church building. Don't ask me to do that anymore. But anyway, I, I put a roof on a church building. But you had, a, had people, different people from the church that would show up and they would hit the wrong nail. You know, they would hit this nail instead of the one they were trying to nail with the hammer, and a, a word might come out. And they said, Oh, I shouldn't say that. I'm here at church. It doesn't matter whether you're at church or you're not at church. You're still not supposed to say it. They think that somehow it's something different inside this church building. I know a God that knows all about me. He hears every word. Matter of fact, Psalm 139 tells me that he knows the words on my tongue even before I speak them. Where does this Language. What does these words that we speak, where do they come from? Matthew chapter 15 and verse 18. We could go to several different passages, but tonight I want to look. Where, where does these words come from? 15, 18 of Matthew says, For those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. They're from the heart. I, I said it, but I didn't mean it. It came from our heart. In chapter 12 of Matthew, 
verses 34 and 35. He says, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. It comes from our heart. And so God wants us to be working to see our heart changed. Ephesians, Paul tells us in Ephesians that we're to have, be renewed in the spirit of our mind. For as God is renewing our mind, he's renewing our heart, really, renewing our heart, and from that it will change the words that we speak. As we look at this subject of the words, our speech, or our mouth, James will not turn there, but you know the passage. In chapter 3, it says that it's a fire. There's fires burning here in this area right now and trying to get them controlled uh, destroying the, the fires burned through Hawaii. What a devastating fire that was. Many, many uh, Christians were affected by that as well. But it, it was much destroyed by that fire. And James says that our tongue is a fire. Out of our mouth, he says in James chapter 3, proceed blessings and cursings. He said, my brother, this ought not to be. This ought not to be. Does a fountain Send forth sweet water and bitter, he asked. You go ahead and drink for that fountain out here and all of a sudden, if, if you're getting sweet water one time, you turn it on and bitter water the next, that doesn't make sense. He said, neither from us as well. Ephesians chapter four is the passage I'd like to turn to. This is what we use often in our uh, premarital counseling. We will use Ephesians 4 and 5 and the first four verses of chapter 6. But we start usually with this passage in Ephesians chapter 4. It says in verse 15, but speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Sometimes just speaking the truth, the raw truth though, needs to be seasoned with grace. As we build relationships with people, uh, there is still need for confrontation. By the way, that goes two ways. It could be someone confronting us or us confronting them either way. He says in verse 22 of Ephesians chapter 4, she put off concerning the former conversation or manner of life, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And here's that passage. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Like Romans 12, where it tells us, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you put on the new man, verse 24, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, wherefore put away lying, involves our tongue. Lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And we've already looked at that on a Sunday night on the fact that we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. There are things we can get angry at, especially things that God is angry at. But he said, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Get it settled quickly. It goes from something we talked about two weeks ago when we talked about forgiving one another. It goes from a anger to bitterness. 
like yeast growing in bread. Neither give place to the devil. Don't let the devil have a foothold. Verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. The word actually means foul. or It's used in reference sometimes to rotten fruit or spoiled food. My uh, sister was having her decoration. She's a strong Christian, lives in Columbia. Her husband just retired from Columbia Bible College, or the old uh, Columbia Bible College, Columbia International University, just retired as one of the deans there. And she had all of her fall stuff, deco- uh, decorations all stored in some tubs and out in the barn. And so she went out there uh, just you know, a couple of months ago to get that out. And she pulled it out, and just the rankest smell came out of that box. Most of us now, uh, are the wives, go to Hobby Lobby. That's next to Walmart and Lowe's. Hobby Lobby is the third most important place to go for us. And uh, most of us get these plastic pumpkins. She thought that she had stored a plastic pumpkin in that box but it was one of those real pumpkins rank I mean rank this word corrupt carries the idea of like spoiled fruit this would refer to foul language which would be the opposite of what our new life in Christ ought to portray off color jokes any profanity, dirty stories. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of, here it is, edifying, building up one another that it may minister grace unto the hearers. We're building them up, not tearing them down. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another. Be ye kind one to another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. A young couple in our church in Houston had moved to, down to Houston from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He was a builder, a home builder and uh, had been building some homes up there, but the economy fell in Pittsburgh, and so they moved. A bunch of people in the early 1980s moved to Houston. There were some pretty wealthy folks who lost a lot of money and were living in campers and under bridges and all kinds of places in Houston trying to find a, a, a new start in life. And so David and his wife came, and uh, we had met them. They had called. We were living in an apartment complex, starting a new church, And they called the phone number and said, we would like to come to church this Wednesday night. Where do you meet? And I said, we're meeting in our apartment. We're renting a building on Sundays, but we're only available to get it on Sundays. And we're meeting in our apartment. They said, where is that located? And I said, 12707 Bel Air Boulevard. She said, that's where we live. We live in the apartment complex. And so they came. And and we just, I mean, we just latched to him. He had played football, offensive guard for Colgate College. He was a hockey player. How did I know that? His front two teeth were broken off on the front right there. He was a hockey player in college and high school. 
uh, he was just a delightful fellow. We just enjoyed him very much. And uh, his wife, uh, her family owned a uh, bakery pan business where you, uh, there's only a couple of companies in the United States that makes bakery pans, and Bundy is uh, one of them. And uh, that was her last name. And so she, she'd come from that family, and they had moved to Houston. They finally uh, got places we did dumpster diving. I, I know that's, uh, I'm, I'm being recorded too. We did dumpster diving, and we helped people that were moving down there, and we did all kinds of stuff. Pulled baby strollers out there. We pulled mattresses out and used all kinds of sprays on them and tried to just get them a start because they were starting brand new, most of them coming with very little money. God helped him to build. He worked for Jim Craft Homes, and he built houses, and, and uh, anyway, he... He built back up over a couple of years, and they got their own place. One night, uh, we had a Christian school that we started, and uh, one night, the wife calls. I've talked to them several times about this. They know I use it as an illustration. Um, she called, and she said, Pastor, do you mind coming over tonight? I said, no. I said, I'll be, I'll be there, 11 o'clock at night. And uh, she said, um, in the Christian school, our daughter's been learning that verse, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. But Dave's been working a lot of late hours, and, and uh, there's some, been some tension in the home. And came in, and it escalated back and forth, the shoes being thrown and words being said, and Aaron was in the room, in her room, and she came out, and she said, Mommy and Daddy, I've been learning a Bible verse that says, Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And they both said it was like the little girl out of the mouth of babes a little arrow pierced right through their heart. This is the truth. This is the way we're supposed to treat each other. This is the way we're supposed to act. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Proverbs chapter 31, we talk about the Proverbs 31 lady. There are many times in churches I've pastored, they'd say, oh no, preacher, are you speaking on... Ephesians 5 on submission or on the Proverbs 31 lady this time on Mother's Day. Some they say, I just don't like that lady, Proverbs 31 woman. Can I tell you that something we often leave out about her, we talk about how she's able to take care of the food and uh, all the things that she does in the house, but we often leave out verse 26 of Proverbs 31. It says, she openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. The law of kindness. I showed you a couple of weeks ago a verse I often use, and it, it works on me as much as anybody else. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 22, in reference to our words, is speaking of Christ it says, and all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth, Luke 4, 22. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? Notice the kind of words, gracious words. 
words, kind words, comforting words we looked at last week, edifying words, appropriate words, not flattering words, the wrong kind, not the kind of speech that would be inappropriate, but what we hear of most and the things we deal with in my own life, I have had to go to my kids, even as adult children, and apologize sometimes for things in the past of not just what I said, but how I said it. But Colossians chapter 3, parallel passage to the passage in Ephesians chapter 4, Colossians chapter 3 says this, beginning in verse 8. Colossians 3, 8. But now you also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. I mean, there's something different about being a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God is working on us. He said, put on the new man, verse 10, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And then verse 12 says, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, sounds like the fruit of the Spirit, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, even if any have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity or love, which is the bond of perfectness or, or unity. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you're called in one body, and be ye thankful. Our angry words. Men, we're most prone to blow up, stomp the gas pedal. Women are most prone to clam up. But we get angry. And these angry words have death in them, not life. They have death in them. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath. But grievous words stir up anger. We think the louder we get, the more effective we are in what we're saying. But actually, we're pouring gasoline on the fire in the conversation. A lady goes to a Bible study, and the two of them are involved in the same church. They went to a Bible study, and uh, they were in studying this same subject. In Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 19, Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 19 says, In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. And the two of them got together in a little prayer group after the Bible study was over, and the lady said, I've been under great conviction. All my life I've been a person that I have not really noticed. I've got a blind spot about me that I'm, I'm angry, I say critical things to people, I hurt people instead of helping them, I'm very harsh and rude. And she said, I'm thinking of going forward Sunday and I'd like to put my tongue on the altar 
And the lady said, I've been around you all these years. The altar's not that big. Psalm 141, verse 3. Psalm 141, verse 3. What should we pray tonight? In reference to this, we could have several messages on this subject. Psalm 141, verse 3. David says, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. My wife, Barbara, that passed away, she often gave testimony of using the bed in the morning as she was getting awakened up to use it as an altar to say, Lord, I'm committing my mind, my eyes, my ears, my mouth. Guard my heart, help my hands to not be, do anything they shouldn't do, feet not to go anywhere I shouldn't go, and use that as an altar to pray to the Lord. I thought about that little song we sang with the children. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. But you know, that's not just for children. Be careful, little mouth, what we say. What we say. Sometimes the Wrong kinds of words is learned behavior. I worked as a brick mason's helper, and uh, the first year after, first summer after I was saved, I worked in Atlanta, and uh, we were in a Christian training program with a ministry called the Navigators. Not necessarily endorsing everything that that, but I learned a lot about discipleship and scripture memory and telling people about Jesus. And um, I worked as a brick mason's helper in Alpharetta, Georgia, and I rode the MARTA buses out to Alpharetta. We were building, uh, doing, um, I was a brick mason's helper. They didn't have a, a mixer for the mortar. Jesse didn't have a mixer for the mortar, and, and you did it all by a hoe, and, and you know, you just, it was hot, and it just, I mean, I, I decided then that I wanted to continue to pursue the civil engineering job, that I could continue to be an engineer instead of doing that. But uh, the guys were sometimes on Mondays, uh, they would call and say, look, don't come, Bud's in jail. Uh, you know, somebody got drunk last night or, you know, this one didn't show up. And uh, their language, I, I carried a little New Testament. I'd just gotten saved in January. This was in uh, May, June, and July of the summer of 71. I carried a little New Testament in my top pocket, and they called me preacher. I never had any idea I'd ever be a pastor. But they called me preacher. One day we were working. I mean, I was hearing their language and I was, you know, putting bricks up on the, and mortar up on the board. You'd stand up on the handles to the wheelbarrow and you'd take a shovel and come up with a mortar onto the mortar boards and hot. And one of those boards fell on my hand in the back of that pickup truck. And I said something I shouldn't say. And I said, I'm, I'm sorry. They said, I see that Bible in your pocket, preacher. I said, I said, I'm sorry. I didn't speak as a Christian should speak. I was hearing it all day long. Sometimes our words are learned behavior. But you know where some people run it from? 
the home. Daddy, Mama, Grandma, Grandpa, a friend, social media, a video game. People say, that's, preacher, I, to change like that, I've, been, I've always been this way. That's not me. The grace of God came to change us from what we used to be to what we ought to be. From what we ought to be. Ask somebody that knows you best. Ask your spouse. Ask a true Christian friend who will be honest with you. How is my speech? Is, it, is there something that needs to change about me to be more like Jesus Christ? A.B. Simpson, he started a Christian Missionary Alliance churches. He was a pastor in New York. And uh, there was a friend of his, like Job's friends almost, friend who openly criticized him often, would do it publicly, sometimes in print. And one of his other friends came to A.B. Simpson and said, why don't you say something against them? Look what they're doing. Say something against them. He said, no, I won't. That other friend that had been criticizing A.B. Simpson fell into immorality. It found its way in the paper. That friend, other friend of A.B. Simpson's came to him and said, look what's in the paper. It shows what this person is really like. You need to say something against this man. He said, he sure must have faced a lot of deep temptation. He was not going to sin by speaking against that man. I wonder if we ought to ask God. God put a guard on our mouth or watch on our mouth tonight. I know it's true for me. This message, when I preach, I've got one finger pointing out there. There's three fingers pointing back at me tonight. For that little tongue has the power of life and the power of death. What are we doing with the tongue that God has given us? Let's bow for prayer. Before we pray, I'm going to have my hand up. If you would like me to, in a general way to remember you in prayer, or you know somebody that God needs to really deal with. Sometimes we'll preach a message like that and somebody says, well, I wish so-and-so would have been here. They needed to hear this. But you want me to remember you. My hand is up because I need this prayer too. Preacher, pray for me tonight. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, several. God, you've seen hands, but more importantly, you see our hearts. You know the words on our tongue even before we speak them. Lord, I pray that you would have your will and way and take control that we might be the kind of Christians you'd have us to be, that you'd change us. Because, Lord, there are people that don't even come back to church sometimes because of what we've said. Help us to be willing to ask for forgiveness. Help us to be willing to be like Jesus by the grace of God. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name.